Support comes from Bellingham's Whatcom Museum with its historic Hall of Birds. On May 31st and June 1st, hosting bird taxidermist and museum preservationist Alice Markham for a weekend of events and workshops. Details and tickets at whatcommuseum.org. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to KUOW's Week in Review. I'm Bill Radke. This is the hour we get together on a Friday figuring out what happened this week and what it means. Fox News asks Seattleites what it's like living in a progressive hellscape, and the reporter gets a virtual pie in the face. We'll touch on that and other stuff on the show with my panel of journalists. We've got Publicola co-founder and publisher Erica Barnett. Hi, Erica. Hey, Bill. Political analyst, contributing columnist. Hello, Joni Balter. Hello there. KUOW politics reporter David Hyde. Hiya. Hi, Bill. And you can watch the show uh, when we get it all, all the bugs worked out. Eventually, you'll be able to watch the show, I'm told, on YouTube and Facebook. Um, let's get into topic number one. Is Amazon too big, too powerful? That is an especially potent question in Seattle. And now the Federal Trade Commission has an answer. The FTC and 17 states, not including Washington, 17 states filed an antitrust lawsuit against Amazon, accusing it of illegally uh, protecting its monopoly. KUOW labor and economy reporter Monica Nicholsberg, why do regulators say Amazon's a monopolist? Ultimately, it's because Amazon operates this marketplace online, but it also sells stuff in that marketplace. And that on its own isn't unusual. If you go into a Fred Meyer looking for mac and cheese and you see Kroger branded mac and cheese next to the Kraft, Kroger is doing the same thing. But what the FTC claims Amazon is doing would be like taking all of the mac and cheese that's being offered at a lower price than the Kroger branded product and putting it in the back of the store where nobody can really find it. Amazon says, no, 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 no. We're getting people their mac and cheese cheap and fast. And we're powerful because consumers love how cheap and fast their mac and cheese is. How can we be a monopoly when we're great for the consumer? And David, you pointed out to me that this is this is a long time coming. You've you've reported on the 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 early rumblings of this lawsuit in the past. Yeah, actually, the person uh, at the FTC who's bringing the suit wrote a paper about this back in 2017 that I was looking at earlier. I'm forgetting her name right now, but uh, Lena Khan. Lena yes, Khan. This Lena is Khan. this is a great backstory to it. Um, just her longtime interest, shall we call in it, in the issue. Yeah, <laughs> my little piece here is that uh, Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren, when she was running for president in 2019, remember she made a big issue out of busting up Amazon. And at the time, I went and looked and saw that Amazon employees didn't hate her for that. She actually got the number two uh, amount of donations from Amazon employees, even though, like she was talking about breaking them up. And the number one um, donee from Amazon employees at the, at the time was, of course, Bernie Sanders, who um, also wants to break up Amazon. So that was just a little tidbit. Um, but I did actually want to talk about what you had mentioned earlier, the fact that uh, we're the state that you know, decided not to join on to this lawsuit that AG Bob Ferguson decided not to join on. And I thought that that was kind of interesting in Monica's reporting. Yeah, 17 states. And, and he was asked, why why is Washington not suing? And his quote unquote answer was, well, I've sued Amazon before, which is not an answer to the question. Well, he's he's answering the question that everyone's thinking, right? That, oh, you know, he doesn't want to run for governor, this governor in waiting, Bob Ferguson. Uh, he doesn't want to begin by being in a big fight with what is probably one of the state's largest employer, if not the largest. Uh, I don't. Th I think that in the statement that was on KUOW's website, he left himself just a pile of room to get into this lawsuit if he wants to. You know, this is sort of on the lines of a um, Microsoft antitrust case years ago. Uh, attorneys general have to decide how much time do I want to spend on this? It's going to be a huge commitment of resources. And I think it's interesting to note that, um, you know, not all the Democratic attorney generals around the country joined on to this, including uh, everyone was looking at uh, the AG of Colorado. His name is Phil Weiser. He teaches antitrust law, he used to teach antitrust law at the University of Colorado. Colorado is one of the states that's not party to the lawsuit. So I don't know what that tells us other than other people are looking at it more carefully. And so it, Bob Ferguson is in a great place to say, um, you know, I'll keep my options open here for a minute, because as I understand it, 
Um, you know, this is all on the FTC's timeline. And if you weren't ready to join, tough, tough for you. Can we go back to, I mean, the the idea of the macaroni and cheese, that's a great, um, I mean, Monica really nailed it, um, kind of describing what that, what, what Amazon does. And I, you know, I think that just on a consumer basis, I mean, it kind of defies credulity that, you know, you go to Amazon to get the best results. And, you know, because when you when you go to Amazon, like, say I'm looking for a pair of slippers by a specific company, I have to, of course, as you said, like, scroll through pages and pages of junk. And that junk is there because those companies, you know, essentially are forced to pay payola to Amazon in order to get their results shown. And, you know, in, in, in that marketplace, I mean, obviously, the consumer is, a disadvantage, is at a disadvantage. I don't want, you know, uh, slippers from a company with, you know, all that, that, that's just a string of, you know, consonants. I want slippers from UFOs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you and, want vowels is what you're looking for. And the, okay. And then on top of that, you know, I mean, we are disincentivized by Amazon to go to other companies because I pay for Prime. So I've already paid for all my shipping up front. And probably I don't even... Is that Amazon's fault that you paid for Prime? It Well, I mean, the thing is, yes, because what they do, I mean, just like they did with Pets.com, just like they did with Diapers.com when they put those companies out of business by undercutting, is they at least convince us that they are undercutting all the other shipping com- all the other companies on shipping costs because... You know, you're going to order from Amazon 20 times a year or whatever it may be. And, you know, why would I want to pay this other company to ship me their product when I can just get it through Amazon? Well, yeah. And unlike Fred Meyer, I mean, they are the online marketplace, right? Like they are the Doesn't Uggs have a website for and, your slippers? And the manufacturers. <laughs> yeah, they do. I want to, I want to yes, get in course. before we leave entirely, though, right. this question of Bob Ferguson as well. And the fact that he's not um, – these issues aren't resonating with him. I did some digging this morning and – Bob Ferguson um, gets a number of contributions from Amazon employees, including the top contributors this year for his gubernatorial run, uh, include the general counsel, who's also quoted in Monica's story, uh, defending so what Amazon. Is the, what's the against most they can this, give? Like two thousand bucks or it's something. It's four thousand dollars just since the spring, and I'm definitely not saying that you know Bob Ferguson's taking four thousand bucks <laughs> well, and making a decision based on that. But back to your point, Joni, I think it's it, it's certainly reasonable to ask whether or not, in the context of a race where he's running against a very business friendly. Democrat Mark Mullet. He's also got to worry about Lands Commissioner Hillary Franz, another Democrat. And is he wondering, you know, what sort of signals am I sending right now to the business community in Washington State? Maybe he doesn't want to get on their bad side just as he's running for governor. Well, also, I'd, I want to take you back in time a little bit. Do you remember when the book publishers uh, sued Amazon years ago? What came of that was Amazon's practices at the time in delivering books, which is, you know, their origin market, was that they couldn't prove that customers were being harmed. I'm not answering your Bob Ferguson thing. I'm moving ahead. I, I realize that. But think about it now. So As long as you the, take it back to mac and cheese, we're good. I, okay. Yeah. So P- Consumers are loving their cheap, fast when food I got, that's fast When I and think cheap. about mac and cheese, because that's where we need to be right now, um, I look at Amazon and I think, okay, so – so what did they do to attract all this? Or, you know, how are they benefiting consumers or not? And you you brought up Prime. The price, they've, they've been aggressive toward other companies and their own customers. They all but doubled the price of Prime. And, you know, they are, I, I think the prices have gone up a lot on Amazon lately. And so, of course, they're going to attract the attention of the FTC. Of course, they're that big that they will attract attention on their practices because mac and cheese and slippers and the whole darn thing, the prices have gone up. I'm I'm just too, I'm, I'm typing in craft.com. It took me, it took me <laughs> well, to crafthinescompany.com brand. I'm just going to see if I could if I'm if I have to use Amazon to get I my see. mac and cheese. Well, but here's the thing about that, Bill. Yeah. Amazon also in a lot of cases would prevent companies, you know, who agree to their terms from charging lower prices elsewhere. So, I mean, that is another way in which monopoly power, you know, makes it less appealing to consumers to go to craft.com or whatever and and buy their buy their stuff there. You have to pay more money in a lot of cases. Amazon makes craft charge more at crafttimes.com. Well, I don't know about craft specifically, oh. but a lot of companies, yes, this is part of the this is part of the claim by the FTC. That's not good for consumers. 
well, I mean, Amazon would say, you know, it's great for consumers because they can just come to Amazon and uh-huh. pay us, you know, however, $200 for Prime for their family and, I you know, a uh, They must $1. have a better response from- than that, but I guess we'll see. This <laughs> well, is, this well was guess the, what? This was I called for point. a response and I haven't heard any. Mm. Any. So. All right. Have, have we covered FTC Amazon for now? I mean, I guess the, well, the, the overarching a- question for locals is, is this going to... Are they going to break Amazon up into pieces and weaken their dominance and shrink their workforce and return Seattle to a sleepy, cheapy town? None of this really quickly. It's, this, is, this lawsuit is not going to have an, any like me, immediate or soon impact on hiring, um, any of that kind of stuff. Okay. And they're not going to take it out on consumers right away in any way. I just don't think it's got a, a, a an immediate impact like that. But the only thing we didn't address is what about your little friend Nessie? Who I never heard of before. Oh yeah, I sent a link around. Yeah, will you explain Nessie? Oh God, it's some kind of um, an algorithm or a, a method of uh, noticing what items are hot, you know, in demand on Amazon, and then adjusting the prices as you go. It's some kind of secret thing that's mentioned in the FTC complaint. I didn't yeah. even know it existed, but I did notice its presence. Because when I came back from this wedding where everybody got COVID recently, not not real recently, like a month ago, I ordered tests, five tests one day. They weren't available the other way. And so I went, oh, I better keep testing. So I ordered more. The next day they were $10 more. And this was when they were saying uh, COVID cases are increasing. So I think I bumped into Nessie, but I can't. <laughs> well, I can't really. I didn't even know it existed. So. I, think, I think monopolies are not always forever. And I think that, uh, you know, People should read um, – Cory Doctorow has been writing about the embleefification, I'm going to call it, for radio purposes. <laughs> yeah, we can't say the other thing. Of, uh, of, um, of just all kinds of companies, but, you know, like Meta and Twitter and, you know, other online companies. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, Amazon is becoming very hard to use um, when you're looking for, you know, just basic products. Um, you end up buying stuff that's crappy, and then you think of Amazon as the company that sells you the crappy thing. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think that – you know. I'm, I'm not saying Amazon's going to fall under its own weight, but I do think that there will become a point where they have to, you know, actually respond to the consumer because consumers are going to get tired of scrolling through 15 pages of garbage to, you know, find their headphones that they want. Well, they've also tightened up their return policies, and I think that they're sort of just bit by bit being a little tougher on the customer. Yeah. And I hope word doesn't get out that uh, you don't have to have your package uh, on T- the same tonight, day. yeah, tonight. Yeah. I didn't bring this up. Why did they bring it up? Trouble. Okay, <laughs> uh, well, let's t- let's let's pause here as we've just we've only begun to cover the news of the week. Uh, lady in the green jacket for mayor. Uh, when we rejoin you after a short break, we'll be right back on Week in Review. Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Support comes from Gather Pottery, hosting ceramicist Sarah Anderson, teaching a weekend graffito workshop for all levels, May 18th and 19th at Gather Pottery in Interbay. Learn more at gatherpottery.com. This is KOW's Week in Review. I'm Bill Radke. I'm not alone. We uh, get together a panel of local journalists every Friday. And right now we've got KOW's David Hyde. We've got Public Cola's Erica Barnett and political analyst Joni Balter. Did all of you see the Fox News piece that went around where the reporter asks Seattleites how we feel about being in a, quote, progressive hellscape of <laughs> crimes and drugs and bums? And we see this reporter interviewing three Seattleites, and they all shut him down one after the other. I've never seen any crime in Seattle. I've never seen any of it. I've seen fun and laughter and laughter and fun. I don't believe that number. <laughs> People, they're, you know, getting robbed out here, carjacked. I've never heard of anyone getting robbed. Crime is a social issue that could be solved by giving people their basic needs. It's not a thing that happens just on the street. People don't just come up and try to rob people on the street. Do you walk around every day? Like, 
Someone's going to rob me every second? Seattle decriminalized drug use, and then they criminalized it again. Oh, my God. Who are you getting these facts from? You're from New York. Apparently, you're listening to the wrong people. I saw a lot of people shooting up on my way down here. Oh, did you? Okay. And they were bothering you? I was in a car, but, you know, people... Oh, oh no, you're in a car. Oh, no, they were hurting you so bad. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, The woman with the green jacket is a uh, nationwide liberal hero because she is fantastic, and she treats Fox News with the amount of seriousness they deserve. Having said that, why are they saying they've never heard of crime in Seattle? They've never heard of anyone being robbed. They're mocking. They're mocking Fox News. Yeah, of course. They're mocking Fox News, but they're also saying something that actually isn't really that true. And I don't know how they managed to line up three of them in a row to say, you know, it's obviously much more complicated than Fox News could ever do business with. And it's more complicated than any of their quotes. So, yes. so well, give me a break. That was just funny. Thank just you. Funny. It was funny. I mean, I'll tell you how they lined up three of them in a row. They interviewed a bunch of people, yes. and those were the most ridiculous seeming to their audience of Fox News or news watchers. I mean, right. this is not for us. I mean, we can laugh at it, uh, but it was not meant for us in Seattle. The kind of Seattle loved it. Yeah, see, I yeah. loved it. Green, I loved it. Green it jacket sales are spiking on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, so but, was her campaign for mayor. But but, yeah. uh, but, the, but those three people were selected because to Fox viewers, they look ridiculous. And they, they show how deluded we are about, you know, the crime and chaos in our city that we're just not seeing because of, you know, our liberal blinders or, you know, or whatever it may be. I mean, I guarantee Fox viewers saw that and thought thought exactly that. These people are deluded. And they represent everybody in Seattle. Exactly. Yes. And everybody in Seattle thinks exactly like that and talks like that and is and mocks, you know, the Fox reporter and therefore mocks you, you know, the Fox viewer. I mean, I think that's yes. how it probably read elsewhere. But there's also the idea that if somebody says, uh, you know, c- crime's a problem, however, how do you feel about that? Then they have they are a they're it's a, they're spouting a corporate fascist lie because crime doesn't exist. Why? Where does that impulse? Were they joking? Were they just trolling the the Fox News? Reporter? Well, I I would say there's the way in which Seattle is trying to grapple with the issue of public safety and crime in this election, which is not the Fox News way. Yeah. So so you know you just can't take. Fox seriously, I think, is the perspective of these. And I don't know what their politics are, but does anybody disagree with that? It's well, kind of hard to take because Fox's, you know, what, is, what are Fox's solutions? How to would you talk to a Fox News reporter who came into Seattle and was like and said, I see crime and in, in everywhere from my car um, and it's horrible in the five minutes I've spent here? I mean, most Seattleites, I think, would respond in some sort of negative way to that kind of question. Just walk but, away. You don't have to say that there's no such thing as robbery. Away. But also, remember, like, the bottom of the screen was going Democrat, as they always say, instead of Democratic mm-hmm. cities, you know, or rampant crime. I mean, that they were trying to prove a point, and they ended up, as you say, sort of mocking us. But it wasn't a serious piece of journalism. I'd like to have a few numbers in there. I'd like to have a few uh, candidates for city council say how they see it or just interview the mayor or talk to somebody who actually knows some if this were stuff. serious journalism which it's which it's not but are yeah. you saying bill like you think that if you're going to troll fox they should have been a little bit better like like the comedy standard there was sort of low <laughs> well if it was com i guess i just couldn't i couldn't tell uh, if it was if it was comedy i guess uh she totally bested him i enjoyed it you know uh, i yeah. really did enjoy it uh it's just it, can we do better Maybe, I guess with Fox, it's just a non-starter. You're not going to do better. I'm just over, as Joni is saying, I'm very aware of the dumb, dumbification, the either or, you're this or you're that. It, it's crime, is, it's a progressive hellscape or crime doesn't exist. And it's barely better than that in a lot of social media spaces and just, and just echo chamber spaces all around the city. Yeah, I don't opinion. I don't hear a lot of people. I mean, I realize like that there are loud voices on Twitter saying crime doesn't exist, but I think that the 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 claim that it's a hellscape is much more prominent both locally but you know, particularly nationally. Um, you know, the crime doesn't exist point of view being expressed by one person selected by one Fox For example, reporter Erica, doesn't mean this is a good that segue. that's a common view. So, uh Target closed two more stores, Ballard and and the U District. Uh the U District is across the street. Um I heard immediately I heard, oh, it's not because of shoplifting. That's a corporate lie. And believe me, corporation Target is well capable of lying. I have no idea how many lies they tell in one day. But I've seen I see people walk out at shoplift from that place. And I see how much the one money, here in the U district. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. You am I am I right or am I wrong? 
You've uh, not, Bill, you're right. Okay, full of shock. <laughs> it's obviously but there's a, there's not only right, you're awesome. Right? And not only that. So what they do is they staff up with security people and greeters, and they put stuff you know behind keys and all that kind of stuff, and and to try to prevent it. And for whatever reason, probably some mix of lots of reasons. Uh, it's not making enough money for Target, and they close it down. But then the response I hear a lot in Seattle is that that's impossible. That cannot be true. That crime has anything to do with Target shutting down that store because it's so, so little. Oh, well, that there's particular not store. Selection. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is uh, that does uh, defy logic because there are two stores in Seattle where they're statistically speaking. I mean, you may have witnessed it anecdotally. I believe that. I believe shoplifting happens at all the Targets. Statistically speaking, it happens at Northgate and downtown. If shoplifting, no, no, no. it was, happens more at Northgate and downtown. Well, I'm not exactly it, it as I just said. Others. As I just said, yeah. yes, it does occur. Is that everywhere. police reports? Because number one, you don't uh, you, you don't necessarily bother reporting all the crime that happens if it happens a lot. Well, I'm number two, to... if you if it's one of the small targets that has this U District target has nothing but self checkout, which is very easy to steal from, and it doesn't look like shoplifting, but it is. Number three, if you if you staff up with a bunch of people, greeters and security people, that that's expensive. So they may have decided that that was more money than they wanted to pay. And it could be tons of corporate lies. I have no, I'm not on target, I'm not on target staff, but it could be complicated. Well, as I said, I think on a previous show, um, Bill, I think that turning the store buying experience into security theater and making you, you know, walk past 17 security guards makes a store less uh, hospitable. Doesn't bother me. Um, like it, it. it bothers me. I don't like it. Um, I would rather have employees there who can help me find the things I need than have a million security guards. I just think it's useless theater in a lot of ways because, as you said, people do still shoplift everywhere. But, so blame the but shoplifting I, but, but for me, the security but, people. Okay, but, well, I... I think that is a bad corporate decision uh, not to, to fire all the people that actually helped uh, with, you know, sales and just kind of populating stores. But I mean, if we if we sort of take as as the case that stores don't report all shoplifting, which they don't. And we just look at we can say that's that's true across all targets. Yeah. So I'm just saying that, like, you go and hang out in the downtown Target. You will see shoplifting happen and you will see pretty blatant shoplifting happen. Read police reports about Northgate. You will see shoplifting and very large items happen. It is harder to do. I don't know enough about the university store. It's harder to do that in Ballard because it's it's a harder store to get into. And I'm not saying, you know, you guys are going to say that I'm saying shoplifting doesn't exist or happen. Of course it does. But Statistically speaking, from police reports, it happens at stores that are not closing, that they are keeping open because those stores are more successful. I I, want to ask about the headline of this Seattle Times article in the first place. Shoppers question if crime is really to blame, you know, and you're not questioning that, right? I don't think crime is to blame for these particular. Well, I think it's I think it's questionable. Yes, you are questioning questioning that for these. Well, I guess my question for you then is: I think it's a business decision. Yes, uh, businesses have an interest in manipulating the public, and they've got lobbying agents, and they've got PR arms, and there is an election happening right now, so the timing of this may not be a coincidence, and blah 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 blah. But of course, they're also seeing some theft, and clearly, maybe there are other reasons why these locations aren't doing well. I mean, the U District, maybe it's hard to get to. Maybe there's not as much money here as there is in that downtown location. But what I don't quite get is, like, what's the ulterior motive that's being claimed by shoppers in this case? In other words, they're saying shoplifting is a problem. Shoplifting is kind of a problem. So, like, what's the sort of hidden agenda that Target has. In the case of Starbucks, the claim was they're trying to get bust of, the union. The, Remember yeah, that? Right. Yeah. But in this case, that doesn't seem to be the issue. So I don't quite get it. There's none offered by the Seattle Times, which has this provocative headline, shoppers question if crime is really to blame, by the way, based on a single shopper who doesn't seem to know anything. And I'm like, what kind of a headline is that? I just want to yeah. say this okay, because, can... because, because uh, you know, it's like shoppers question whether or not vaccines cause autism, yes. shoppers question whether this election is rigged. Okay. Like, well, like just in terms of shoppers reporting, are, shoppers are people who live in Seattle too. So, sure, I but mean, where's just, the where's the well, evidence of the story? Yeah, and, and then there's nothing I, I, to support I it. Why. I mean, you know, I hate to diss a story in the Seattle Times, but Joni, Joni, uh, it's you. you sorry, turn. Joni, your turn. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just want to say, I, you know, I am sure that there are several reasons, or one reason here, and two reasons over here, but. 
you got to believe what they're saying to some degree. They're having trouble with retail theft. So are many stores. So are more stores in San Francisco, which is a city I think we're trying not to emulate. So I think we should take them at their word and then add our own judgment that maybe it has to do with a small uh, store model. Maybe it's that. Or maybe it's some other reason. They don't want to admit why they're closing. There are many stores closing, and we, it's one on the list, in, in Seattle, and it's not a good thing. You want to be welcoming your small businesses, your targets a larger business. You don't want them closing because their employees don't feel safe, and they're losing too much to so-called shrink. Well, I mean, shrink um, is exactly what I wanted to bring up. The National Retail Federation just came out with new numbers that found that I'm looking at a headline on retail dive. Retail shrink theft changed little in 2022. And then it talks about retailers being concerned. But uh, it went up 0.2 percentage points uh, in the last year. So, I mean, I think we can look at statistics. I mean, the National Retail Association arguably has an interest in overstating a retail theft to get more police presence on the ground mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, you know, retail theft is not dramatically going up despite the headlines. And so, I, you know, so I think that it actually, we actually don't have to take the stores at their word. I think we can question them. And I think in particular, again, with the Ballard store. But we're not saying that, cry, that theft is or is not a factor, right? I, but I'm, I'm explaining like one, some of the it's business one reasons. Factor. Well, perhaps, but some of the business reasons in Ballard, it's surrounded by grocery stores. There's a grocery store glut yes. right on that corner. It's hard to get into. The parking lot is confusing and small. And so it's many it's a, things can be true. Yes, but I'm saying that I think those things are more likely to be true in these specific cases. And we can look at this because they're closing what nine stores nationwide. It's easy to look at specific cases here and and be and be dubious. So it's like it's a retailer conspiracy to claim that there's a lot of shoplifting going on. But there's no real. I mean, isn't that their political goal too? Though that's what I'm saying. Like, isn't their goal? politically, if they have one, to try to, you know, change the political landscape. They want more conservative candidates elected or more centrist candidates elected. Let's just say that is their ulterior motive. And part of it is because they want to reduce the amount of shoplifting. Why isn't it just straightforward? Why are we trying to find some other well, can, kind of can hidden we, agenda? Can we not look at statistics, David? I mean, like... If, That's if, an if, absurd if, response to what I just said. Of course we can look at statistics well, but and you're, data you're saying, But you're saying, else. oh, whoa, whoa. it's real and terrible. I'm and no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I'm, again, I'm still saying, what is your case here for the ulterior motive that these companies have. I just don't quite get it in this case. I, like I'm I'd be the first one to, you know, bash Target if I could see a way to do it here. I'm just not quite getting it beyond, you know, Well, the beyond, bashing that I'm doing is yeah. that I think they're lying. So So, so well, they're I not experiencing they're shoplifting. Lying. I think that's ridiculous. I'm I not think, saying no, I don't again, I don't Here's, I, I here's think a distinction we don't on, want in Seattle. Really, Hang on a second. Okay. Here's a distinction we don't want in Seattle. The same survey that you're citing has Seattle as the as number five among cities affected by organized retail crime uh, in retail in retail theft. I don't want that distinction. Okay, I think that's ridiculous. We, we, we got to get past grabbing one study and one statistic that serves uh, uh, everybody. The Seattle and the nation in general, please. Yeah, I, but, I just want to correct the record yet again yes. to something David said. I did not say that shoplifting does not exist and right. is not happening. I want to make that very clear. In these stores and any store in Seattle, it's happening. So I just want to make very clear on the record that is not what I'm saying. Right, but you, okay. you, you, you're not giving a plausible ulterior motive. The, it's an explicit motive. They want more, whatever you want to call it, sort of law and order. If, if there is an ulterior motive, they would like, in other words, if, if the Chamber of Commerce and business in Seattle, they would like more... Yeah, I think tough that's on plausible. crime candidates to get you elected, and they're very specific about that. So, if that's the alternative motive, it's the same thing they're saying. They don't like the shoplifting. So, what's the hidden agenda? There is none. It's all very clear. I didn't say it was hidden. Okay. I, mean, I think that is an agenda. Okay. Also, they closed. Okay. My agenda. Yeah. I'm sorry. My agenda is to get is to talk about other things before <laughs> yeah, the hour yeah, yeah. is over. So we've left little time left, but I want to uh, because I, I, I was going to ask. Well, in Seattle, the mayor came out this week and said more about his crime fighting plans. So what do, you want, what do we want listeners to know about that? There's an executive order on, drug, on the new drug use law. There's a couple of things. So he issued an executive order on the drug use law and also announced the, um, the renaming of the um, current uh, department that houses 911 to be called the CARE Department, mm-hmm. Community Assisted Response and Something. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I think both of these decisions or, um, you know, announcements by the mayor are pretty, um, you know, pretty minor in their impact in terms of like 
you know, on the one hand, the care department, it's going to have six new people who are going out with police, you know, leading the calls um, to, or leading the response to respond to very low priority calls. So things like uh, what Chief Diaz, Chief Adrian Diaz called paper calls when somebody's already gone from a scene, they'll go out and take a report. Six people across, you know, the entire city. And um, in the case of the executive order, it just sort of reaffirms what's already in the law, which says that police should try to divert when they can. But if somebody is causing... Divert um, when they can, meaning look to not arrest someone, but instead... Or put them, you know, or arrest them, but ultimately put them in a program like LEAD that that can, you know, help them, uh, you know, get out of their drug addiction, whatever situation they're in. Yeah. Um, so not a lot of not a lot of major uh, impact there. Okay. So yeah, I mean we're in a bu- we're in a budget constrained environment. So to be fair to the mayor, there's not a lot of money to play with. Right. Two hundred million dollar budget deficit. Yeah. I mean, not yet. I, I do hear some people saying, you know, COVID was a crisis. You're saying fentanyl is a crisis. You want to divert people into drug programs and not arrest them under this new ordinance. Where's the money in this budget? For that, where where's the drug treatment funding, Mr. Mayor, in your new budget? There is, there is new money for the King County Regionalist Homelessness Authority. You know, it's not a lot more, a little bit more, but there's, there's no there's new some, money for for drug treatment that I could see in there. There's capital um, money for opioid uh, treatment, but that's not. I mean, as I've reported, I mean, it's it there. It is in there. It's from the opioid settlement. So, I mean, the mayor's office and I have gone back and forth on this about whether it's new money. And it is new money, but it's not Well, if it wasn't new spent general. last year, then, it, then it's new money. Okay. Yeah, but think about, think about how, we, how we treated COVID as a crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, we spent a lot of money treating that. I hear people all over the city saying, on all sides of the political spectrum, this is an opioid crisis. Why aren't we treating it like that kind of a crisis? Meaning right now? tax increase because there's a budget deficit. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, you know, and I wonder if this will come up because council is about to start budgeting, and and they're the ones that ultimately control the purse strings. This is just a you know suggested supplementary budget, and um, yeah, yeah. The budget also actually cuts lead, so um, you know it it and it doesn't the the increases to the homelessness authority are inflationary, so it's not actually new programs or anything. So it's very much. I mean, as you said, David, it's not treating it like a crisis. It's it's a, it's a hold steady budget on on homelessness and drug use. Speak, uh, speaking of homelessness, I, I, KOW listeners might have heard this week and, and in recent weeks that the city of Burien is banning people from sleeping in public places like parks, even though Burien has no shelters for people to go to instead. Are they aren't they one of what's special about Burien? Why are we hearing so much? Are they one of many local cities doing the same thing? And I thought there were federal court rulings that said you can't ban Without camping shelter. without a shelter alternative. Can anyone explain that to listeners? I mean, the uh, city of Burien has said that Bellevue is their shelter alternative. Um, in in the legislation, they're pretty clear. Mercer uh, Island did the same, right? Yeah, and so mm-hmm. there is there is an all you know there is a men's shelter in Bellevue, um, and so they're saying they can go there. They can go to Seattle. Uh, what's unclear is how they're going to get there. I mean, you know, is Burien going to put new resources into driving people out of Burien? Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions about how that's actually going to be enforced. Okay, so in these court rulings, it's okay if you say, I mean, how far away do the shelters have to be before this court ruling says you can't ban parking? A, that's not an alternative. A, a, a camping, right? You can't ban camp, park camping. Well, I think that's why so many cities, including Seattle, are now asking for more clarification of of the Ninth Circuit different rulings that we're addressing here today. That they need to be. Um, improved, clarified, explained. You have the city of San Francisco, of all places, asking how can they deal with people who are offered shelter and then refuse it? What is it? What, how, why can't we remove those people from blocking right-of-ways? San Francisco and Seattle are, are signing on, asking that same Many question, cities. a so-called conservative position in both of those liberal so, so-called liberal well, cities. Well, right? I'm not sure San Francisco did San Francisco sign on. I know that Gavin Newsom, the Gavin governor Newsom, of San Francisco, oh, maybe the governor. Did. she asked for a clarification. London oh. Breed, the mayor of San Francisco, also asked for a clarification to a very specific part of her own city policy. Okay, thank you. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, the city of Seattle already allows sweeps without um, giving anybody an offer of shelter, and there is a question about, you know, that, that I think it's 
legitimate about whether the shelter on offer, you know, if it required, I mean, the case involves, that we're talking about, one of the cases involves a couple who were offered shelter, but they were told, you you know, this married couple has to go to different places. Right. So is that a viable shelter offer? Right. But, uh, But the city of Seattle already, you know, removes people for being in parks, for being in public spaces. Yeah. You know, Occidental Park is a great example near where I work. You know, they, they sweep that place all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you They've know. They've got shelter beds, though, but you're saying could be shelter beds no, that are just I'm saying, unacceptable. No, I'm saying in, in that case, they sweep, like, they give 24 hours notice. They put a sign up on the, on a tree, and they don't necessarily have to offer any shelter. Is, oh, this, okay. is this why there's that other lawsuit saying that Seattle's definition of obstruction is yeah. overly broad? Because That's under the one that I'm talking about Idaho ruling, couple. you can sweep somebody, you can remove a tent if you're like in the middle of the road, in the middle of the Burke Gilman Trail, because that's oh. clearly an obstruction. But what if you're in the corner of the park? Is that an obstruction? And it seems like some people are saying Seattle's interpretation of that is overbroad. So my question for you is, do you think this new, if there is a new clarification of the Idaho case, would that resolve that issue as well? It's a little weedy. No, but- I mean, and I and I think if there is a clarification, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's fine to clarify that case. I'm not hearing like a lot of opposition to these cases that are going on with the grants. There's a grants pass case that's being that we're talking about um, that's being appealed. Uh, I mean, I think the larger issue that's going to be unresolved by any of this, you know, is that we don't have adequate places for people to go. There is not enough shelter to shelter everyone in Seattle right now or San Francisco or probably Boise as well. So, you know, we can get clarification that says, you know, here's what adequate shelter means or you don't or you can sweep without offering anything and that's fine and move people around. That's not going to solve the underlying problem, which is, you know, there's not adequate shelter. We're not spending. But would, you, would, much change, would much change in Seattle, from what I can tell, not much would change because nobody's calling for a blanket camping ban in Seattle anyway. Yeah. Right. I don't so, think we're talking about change. offering services and all of that. But I'd like to ask everybody here, do you remember um, what Bruce Harrell said during his campaign wanting to be mayor? He said pretty clearly that he thought that encampments should not be blocking sidewalks. Uh, blocking people or disabled folks who um, are trying desperately to get from one place to the next with our very busy, uh, sometimes dangerous streets. Um, He said what he was going to do was begin to work on encampments that were, you know, in in parks near schools. And he got 58 percent of the vote. So I think, you know, we're in the we're at the point now, especially with the um, signing on to the challenges to these court rulings of trying to figure out exactly what is the right way to do this and how can Seattle sort of improve how it how it looked before he was elected? It does look better. Does anyone want to challenge that? Go for it. I mean, I'm not yeah, I'm not as concerned with the aesthetics of homelessness as I am with the reality of homelessness. I mean, definitely downtown I, in particular. But I don't know that you represent the majority in that way. No, but I represent a third of the people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you asked us, so I, you know, I. Wait, Bill's here too. Oh, sorry, Bill too. Yeah, you're saying looking better is not, the, is not the only goal, which is fair. The city's got goals besides look at what looks better to some people. But obviously, right? that is very popular. I mean, I think fair. I think that Absolutely. is what you know. If, if Peril decides to run again, I think that's one of the things that will get him reelected. I think it's very popular. But I'm just saying it's not actually effective at solving the underlying problem. Okay, final words on that before we take a break and then run down a few more stories of the week and then the corners of our mouths go up in a smile at the end of the show cool ready for that okay let's take a short break right back with KUW's Week in Review you're listening to KUW's Week in Review and when you do that you expect me Bill Radke to assemble some distinguished local journalists done Political analyst, contributing columnist Joni Balter, Publicola co-founder and publisher Erica Barnett, KUOW politics reporter David Hyde, taking you through the week. Um, We've spent a lot of time on a few stories. I want to spend a little time on a a few more, but let me know if you have a reaction, if you know something about any of these stories, we can enlighten our listeners. Um, Another uh, spending bill, no vote in Congress this morning. We're taping this on a Friday. So a, a federal government shutdown looks almost certain, right? Uh, and that would mean national parks closed at minimum. Mount Rainier closed, right? Olympic, North Cascades, overflowing garbage cans because people sneak in anyway. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, some state agencies 
can stay open at least for a while. The state health department is not going to, you know, they get federal money. They're not going to shut down their uh, nutrition program. Um, military paychecks. Uh, we have a big military presence here. I don't know if that's nailed down yet, whether anyone's skipping a paycheck in the U.S. military or not. I think they project that, but then, you know, in the last minutes, and this will all happen probably Sunday, am I right? Uh, or just, it, it's just, this is just shameful. I, I, I can't do anything but shake my head at this. This is so ridiculous. It's it's cooked up uh, controversy that doesn't need to disturb so many people. What is in it for the Matt Gates of the world? Oh, uh, why, because everybody says, I keep hearing that, in my at least my in my news sources, fact, you're gonna it, uh, how how bad how bad this makes Republicans look. So the fact that you just said it? Matt Gates over and over and over, oh, okay. it's just he just wants to be in the spotlight. Okay, even if his party uh, uh, suffers because of this, because they look a black eye because they caused a shutdown. If that's even true, that's the narrative. I don't know. Okay, we're uh, I, I don't know much more about that, but we'll see. Um, another court weighed in on Governor Inslee's emergency. COVID measures. Remember, Inslee put a moratorium on evictions for being late on rent because people were losing jobs and didn't want them to also be homeless. And so some landlords sued the governor saying Inslee, yes, has emergency powers to suspend some state activities, but not to suspend the law like the law that landlords can evict somebody if they're not making rent. Uh, The state Supreme Court ruled five to four, though, that uh, that the state law did, in fact, give Inslee the authority to do that. So I don't know whether Inslee's lost any cases regarding his emergency powers. Not that I know of. Five to four is not as reassuring as no. he might like. <laughs> it's, uh, Especially with that court. Yeah. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. A, a lower court had, had you know, said the opposite, had said you can't. That means landlord are the landlords has a right appealing? To, they, can they appeal? Appeal from to the U.S. Supreme Court? Yeah. Good, another good question. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, Governor Inslee was supposed to be sitting six feet from us uh, today because <laughs> more like three feet. He, yeah, is the way I'm measuring it's it. a small room. He yeah. got he, he was supposed to be on the show, and we were going to ask him lots of questions, but he got COVID. Yeah. So his so says his staff. So um, couldn't make it. Um, so they say. So they so say. They say. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I I just know what people say. Here is a um, no. I hope, and I hope the governor is uh, has a we wish quick, well. a we wish quick well. and mild uh, COVID trip. Here is another ruling that happened this week. This one went against Starbucks, who we mentioned earlier. A National Labor Relations Board administrative law judge ruled that Starbucks broke federal labor laws when it gave workers at its non-unionized stores a boost in pay and benefits last year. Remember, Starbucks argued that, well, we can't give unionized workers pay raises because there's federal law about that. We can't just make a unilateral change to union workers' jobs. But this administrative judge said, not a good faith argument, Starbucks, and that Starbucks was, in effect, deterring workers from forming unions. So Starbucks might have to give unionized workers some back pay, some benefits. Speaking of losing image in the community, I mean, Starbucks has had a— a rough year in public image about how it relates to its workers. And you remember the early days of Starbucks, they were so well known for how sort of um, hip they were and and reasonable in treating their employees. Yeah, and I th- always thought Howard Schultz might run for higher office someday, but I'm not sure how this helps him exactly. I Did mean, he already run? Yeah. Well, yeah. Brief, a brief presidential run. Um Some Seattle Mariners players accused a Houston Astros pitcher this week of using a Spanish homophobic slur during a game. And, David, you were telling me that in some sports that player would be suspended, which hasn't yet happened by Major League Baseball. I don't know that. I mean, but this story just seems so ridiculous to me. These are businesses. Major League Baseball can make this stop if it wants to. And, it, you know, it's just kind of outrageous. This kind of stuff keeps happening. In world soccer, FIFA is taking it so seriously that they're now banning fans for for homophobic chants. And I'm pretty sure the Mexican national team played before empty stadiums in the lead up to the last World Cup. And so 
I don't know why people kind of continue to sort of put up with this. It, you know, it's a business. You're not allowed to do it. If you do it, you're gone. Like, you know, and so we'll see what they do. I mean, it's and also we don't know the details. What happened? Innocent until proven guilty. Like, I, you know, I don't know exactly what he said. But it's very unusual for a pitcher, did, yeah. a pitcher who just stroke struck somebody out to sort of chase him down a little bit and kind of yell stuff at him. It's very unusual. He lost him as a friend. They're both, um, they were friendly. I don't know if they were like dear friends, but they were friendly before this. And I hope MLB does, does do the discipline just because we, it's just not a good look. It's not a good thing to do. Well, as someone from Houston, um, I've heard uh, that people are saying that Astros fans are the worst. And um, <laughs> while I, I have not gone to an Astros game since approximately 1985, um, mm-hmm. that seems plausible to me. <laughs> We're going to blame Texas. <laughs> For once. Don't, we do often. <laughs> I, I will say, yeah. was it the greatest look that the bench clears in anger over this comment? In a weird way, I was kind of like... You know, there was just something funny about it. The worst thing you could say. But both benches cleared, so it was just really like, yeah. You know why is why is this even happening? Of course, everybody's tense. Uh, You know, the the Mariners have been in a swoon, followed by a couple of uh, upticks and and wins. But you know, that was just a weird one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in baseball. Uh, Also. Weird this week was a fan, a Seattle, I believe a Seattle fan in in the Seattle stadium throwing a ball and hitting the Mariners pitcher as he stood on the mound. My mistake. Was weird. I don't know. Was he aiming? Who was he aiming for? I don't know. (laughs) Just trying to play catch with the shortstop. Um, Hey, me. It's about me. I want to play. (laughs) Right. Put me in. Look at my arm. As David mentioned, this is an alleged uh, slur because the the player, the Houston player, apologized, but then also said, "But I didn't say what you said." I said. Um, okay, we're we're getting toward the end of the show. We one thing we were going to ask uh, Governor Inslee about was the fact that Microsoft posted a job description this week seeking a principal program manager for nuclear technology responsible for maturing and implementing a global small modular reactor and micro reactor energy strategy. What do we make of that? Well. One thing, and this is an obscure response to this, I noticed in that job description, the one thing it said, it said uh, in in sort of work environment, up to 100% possible for remote work. I just thought, yeah, they're selling. They really want to hire this person. If I work at a nuclear reactor, I do want my job to be remote. I prefer that. Well, I'm assuming this per- this person is not a nuclear reactor uh, employee, correct? No, I mean, the is, idea is that yeah. they would buy nuclear power from existing small reactors. Is that right? They can't. I don't know. They can't I mean, open Bill their Gates own reactor. wants to build more small reactors. He's he a big a investor in. Yeah. Is it called Terra Terra Power? Terra Power in Bellevue, yeah. and uh, I think that they're. I don't know anything about this. I think they are trying to build some nuclear reactors right now. That company, another one here in Washington State, but I have no idea what what the status of that is or what the regulatory hurdles are to move in that direction. I do know that, you know, climate folks who do the math and look at the carbon budgets and everything else say, yeah, we kind of have to do that too. And we have to do carbon sequestration and we have to do everything because we're, we're still on track to, to not do what we need to do to prevent cr- climate change. So I mean, we could also restrict companies from using, you know, massive, massive, massive amounts of power to fund, you know, or to, to, to run AI and to run things like crypto. Um, I mean, it's, we act as if there's no there's no way other than this future where we have these incredibly huge server farms with, you know, that need massive amounts of cooling and just consume, you know, huge amounts of, to, to do things like, you know, like mine Bitcoin. And right. I don't know. Is that necessary to our economy? Is, it, is that something that we have to allow? But they haven't even stated. It's down, they haven't even stated if if the plants would be, you know, if the little tiny nuclear projects that they're going to do would be in Washington State. But I can tell you, True, there will yeah. be a lot of yelling about it. Yes, they do quite a bit of um, nuclear in Europe. But Washington, didn't we have our big conversation about nuclear a long, long time ago with the Washington Public Power Supply System? You know, we're big on hydro. It's a, it's, it's something to be proud of as an energy source. But um, we're also big on, on, on fighting climate change, and we're big on saving salmon. So not everything – I don't know if we can do everything we want to do. 
But I don't know that we're going to reinvest in nuclear. I mean, to Joni's point, I mean, I, I, I felt like we've had this conversation already. I mean, not just in Washington, but as a country, nuclear plants closed down, you know, after a peak of a hundred something, uh, you know, we're, we're down to about half that. And so I think the concerns that were there about nuclear before are going to still be there now. Um, and uh, again, like, I, I think we should be looking on the, the supply side of this or, or Maybe it's the use side of uh, the energy equation. And, you know, do we need to be using infinite amounts of energy or ever-growing amounts of energy um, and only looking at the generation side to what sort of save we, the climate? If we want our mac and cheese overnight, then we're, we have to do what we have to do. We have to fire up <laughs> I think that's one of, one of the real problems. Circle. We can have the mac and cheese in two days, not one. Thank you. Um, okay, time to end on something that we're smiling about. I, I want to give a shout to our listeners because on last week's show, we discussed those p- surprise private fireworks displays that mm. happened late and irritated and scared some people. And some of our listeners want an end to fireworks. And so this over the last week, some listeners sent in ideas. Jamie said those rich anonymous uh, fireworks sponsors can spend their money on drones that can produce a beautiful light show set to music, minus the fire hazards, smoke and sound pollution. Jamie says this happens at Burning Man. Uh, Chris- <laughs> Christopher says the feds when it's not flooded. <laughs> when it's not so flooded well. out. Uh, Christopher says the feds should make the Bureau of Indian Affairs stop tribes from selling fireworks. And Phil said he was uh, near Lake Chelan for Fourth of July. And Phil sent me a video of a giant screen showing virtual fireworks with the attendees jumping up and down on bubble wrap. Bubble, yes, Erica, bubble wrap. (laughs) And it sounded like that. I don't know where they got the whistles, but they just made their own non-invasive fireworks. So thanks, listeners. I didn't know any of that stuff. I went to one of those shows one time. Bubble wrap The virtual, it didn't have the bubble wrap. Is this a Burning Man confession? No. Is this a Burning Man confession? No, I don't have any of those. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything, uh, that made me smile. Uh, Listeners chipping in. How about you? Anything? I'm just happy the, and this is redundant just a teeny bit, but the Mariners are still alive. Uh, And it's almost October. That's pretty cool. Their slogan this season is, we are not yet mathematically eliminated. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do all the permutations. I'm going to my first Mariners game. Keep it on theme. uh, This uh, this weekend, in the 22 years I've I've lived here, I've been to a number of Everett Aquasox games. Um, I still think I'm going to prefer sitting right there in AAA, but I've heard the food is superior at the stadium, so I'm looking forward to it. Lots of options. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big shot of rain that we got this week means it's almost or could already be chanterelle mushroom season. Yeah. So I'm excited to get out there. Last season was kind of weird because we got no rain and then this frost and it just never really was it. At least I wasn't very successful. So okay. I'm hoping to get out there and see if I can find some chanterelle mushrooms. And it's chanterelle, not chanterelle. Oh, shoot. I, I say, don't know. I say chanterelle. I you say you. chanterelle. I, I say I tomato. Know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, that's a Canadian pronunciation. It's, a, it's the yeah, it's the Canadian spelling. Um, if you've never done any mushroom hunting before, it's a good starter mushroom. What region? <laughs> I know you didn't give us your secret spot last year, but oh, yeah. just even it's a your region. backyard. Even, oh yeah. Uh, you know, North Cascades, uh-huh. Olympic Peninsula. Okay, that sort of thing. Not national parks because they're about to close down. Because of a shutdown. Um, okay, we got to run. Uh, Publicola co-founder, publisher Erica Barnett, political analyst, contributing columnist Joni Balter, KUOW politics reporter David Hyde. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Bill. you. Let's do it again. Uh, thank you, Kevin Kniestet, producer of the show. Bernard Willett, running the board. See you next week for a week in review.